0: general nerdery so surprising no one of our generation who's involved in any way with the turtles which is pretty much everyone in our generation every time i've done something turtle related recently which is a lot for this podcast episode um i've started singing teenage mutant ninja turtles in my head okay but annoyingly it keeps transforming into the teen titans theme song as it goes on interesting And I wasn't sure how my brain kept linking these two until I was talking to Steven today and he straight up mixed the Ninja Turtles with the Teen Titans uh, Trouble in Tokyo movie. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not alone. I guess teen heroes, but you know. You know, I'm... I'm surprised
1: with all this turtle stuff that I didn't get the theme song stuck in my head, but that's because I've had an entirely different theme stuck in my head.
0: Jump ninja, jump ninja, I know. Ever (laughs) since a
1: trailer dropped that we're going to talk about.
0: Fair enough. Welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And as you may have noticed, we are here today to talk about the motherfucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which would have looked really good on the toy line, but probably would have got them kicked out of Target. Oh, probably. But before that, what have you been ingesting?
1: What have... So I realized there was one that I forgot to bring up last time, but that's okay because it fits with something I watched this time. uh, Because I did finally watch uh, No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness. You told me you watched Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I, I, I waited to watch that until I finally got to No Way Home because I didn't know how much they were going to link, there's a one-sentence reference in Multiverse of Madness that No Way Home
0: happened. <laughs> so not really. See, the main reason I haven't watched No Way Home yet is because I watch most every movie with my wife, and she's not seen any of the previous Spider-Man movies, so there's has uh, the like... Do we have to watch seven movies before I can show her this one that I want to watch? Yes. I'm going to be honest with you, I will not watch Amazing... Not Amazing... Uh, I will not watch Spider-Man 3 again. That's fair. <laughs> and I'll probably skip Amazing Spider-Man 2, because it's a fucking mess. But I don't know. Also fair.
1: Amazing Though... Spider-Man 1, the one
0: with the lizard? I'll actually argue for that movie. That had some good stuff I, You know in what?
1: I actually <clears throat> kind of enjoyed that one. It's not when great, it ca- but it was like a solid middle-of-the-line superhero movie. I know. When it came out, my thought was like... If this is... Like, there's a bunch of little kids that this is going to be their first
0: Spider-Man, and I'm okay with that. Which, we were right. Look at how much people got excited about Andrew Garfield. Oh, do you want know, to know why? Because he's fucking great, but...
1: um, He had the... So there, there is, like, a major character death in that movie. Yes. I kind of didn't care. He had... The line that made me fucking,
0: like, tear up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know. Just osmosis. I know pretty much everything that happens in that movie at this point. This movie made all of the money.
1: I'm going to assume people <laughs> saw it. I'm going to just say just a mild, mild spoiler. Skip forward a minute if you haven't, you know, the rules. Oh, uh, when he asked uh, MJ if she's okay when he successfully saves Saves her, her from coming off the bridge. Holy fuck, <laughs> I just about, like, super fucking lost it. Just, his delivery was amazing. That writing is amazing, having him ask in the first place. But Mm -hmm. the look on his face
0: when he does it sold that moment so fucking hard. The fact that MCU doesn't seem to have an Uncle Ben bothers me to no fucking end. But that's, yeah, whatever. I was surprised at how truly different
1: it was than Spider-Verse. Like, I knew it must be, Uh because otherwise I would have heard... People bring it up more, but at the same time, it's kind of what you think when. Spider Verse, yeah. But when people kept telling
0: me, they're making a live action Spider Verse, I'm like, that doesn't sound good. But this does look good. Like, this is. And I've seen a clip, some clip of uh, them talking about fighting aliens, and Andrew being like, oh.
1: Um. It's a much different little. Yeah, that part was actually really funny. <laughs> uh, both of them are like, we, "You've been to space," <laughs> <laughs> but like, if Spider Verse was about how anyone can put on the mask, this one is way more about what it means to wear the mask. To wear the mask. That's cool. You, you need to have different ways of. I like it. Um, and like. What the right way should be, and trying to go back and fix mistakes. To be honest, mm-hmm. I was surprised at how good it is. Probably not my favorite of the three Holland Spider Man so far. Holland Spider probably Far From Home. Really? Although I mean, look, Keaton kills in that first one as the Vulture. He Homecoming is so fucking good.
0: But overall, he has those awkward teenage moments that I hate. Mm. Not that like in that movie that I hate, but the like, oh, God, it's awkward family dinner time with the boyfriend who knows or the daughter's dad who knows something or whatever. Like mm-hmm. uh, and, and the same with the fucking best example of the doing the scene well, but I fucking hate it is in Ash versus the Evil Dead, where he's trying to convince the his lady companion that her parents are deadites. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah and that's just that whole awkward conversation happening around and not ooh i, I mm, it makes mm-hmm. my skin crawl and homecoming has a bit more of that than i like but it's an act it may be the best done teen superhero movie i've seen yeah when it comes to being a teen superhero specifically i think <laughs> far
1: not far um yeah far from home to me was kind of like The aged-up, better version of the animated series. Okay, and so that and that's kind of the the chord. Like that's where it got me because it hit both the nostalgia hooks. Plus, like you're just giving me good Mm Spider-Man, and like Mysterio was dope. And
0: Mysterio is such a weird villain because nothing about him should work. Right, (laughs) he's a weirdo with a bowl cut with a fishbowl helmet. And he's one of my all-time favorite Spider-Man villains.
1: Oh fuck! But goddamn it, No Way Home was really, really mm. good. Um, the only thing was, it's far too long. I just don't know where you would trim things from that movie because ah, it's, it's there's not there's not enough to separate it into two movies. Like it kind of needs to be connected, but there's also not good chunks to take out to make it just like one movie. It, it feels like two, three quarters of a movie that were kind of stuck together. Multiverse of Madness, I really liked. There's a lot of really cool things. It doesn't seem like it had a point. It felt like a solid B.
0: That's fair. So was the first Doctor Strange.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this felt more pointless than that. At uh, least okay. the first Doctor Strange was a story about Doctor Strange. Yes.
0: Okay. I'll give you. Th- I just mean like they both ranked a solid B. Mm-hmm. Um, I will
1: say, I think the first one is technically better. As a movie? I'm more likely to re-watch
0: Multiverse of Madness. Seeing as you're a Sam Raimi fan, that doesn't surprise me at all. I feel like the Raimi doesn't show through that much. Interesting. Some people it's told just, me it
1: sh- showed through a lot. Maybe I'm more used to seeing Raimi? Fair. Or Raimi Unleashed, I guess? Yes,
0: no, this is watered-down Raimi.
1: And, like, that's been Raimi his whole career. He's always done both. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying that one is more true to what he does than the other. No, but this is
0: the guy that did Evil Dead and the first Spider-Man movies. Like, right. There's always been a range for him.
1: And this is way more in the Spider-Man vein than it is. It
0: would be weird if it was Evil Dead.
1: That being said, he doesn't get to unleash, but I think the movie easily has maybe the top three, if not top five most disturbing deaths in the MCU so far.
0: No prob- I've seen... Some of them, thanks to TikTok.
1: Uh, One of them still kind of has me fucked up. I
0: was
1: (laughs) not expecting what happened to one of the members of the Illuminati. Just
0: tell me which one, but don't tell me about the death.
1: I mean, look, this is minor spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it, because they didn't reveal that this member was in the Illuminati in the trailer. So, three, two, one, black bolt.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I knew about that because Anson. I'm becoming Mm -hmm. a pretty solid Anson Mount fan thanks to one of the things I've been ingesting.
1: I was not prepared for his death. It is both very sudden and pretty fucked up. Um, But I don't know. Like, I kind of felt like there was the plan for this movie was they didn't want to not do anything with Doctor Strange for a bit, but they still haven't gotten to the point where the rest of the universe is set up for them to do the Doctor Strange movie they actually want to do. Oh, I could see that. And it was kind of like this movie was just confirming that the multiverse exists for anyone who didn't watch Loki.
0: Well, and we've talked about it over on New Byland. Uh, Go check out our other podcast, yada, yada, yada. Um, Doctor Strange is such a hard character to do because when he works right and you're able to go full weird, it works great. But where that worked best was like 40 years ago in Marvel Comics when there wasn't a lot of eyes on the B-level books like Doctor Strange, and you could just do whatever wild Roger Stern shit popped into your head. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now they've got a fucking however many hundreds of millions of dollars movie that Benedict Cumberbatch is leading with every Disney executive watching extremely closely, and they're like, I'm sorry, you want to do what now? Yeah, I don't know. It just felt
1: felt like it was pulling the taffy. Like, it, it was doing something interesting while we're waiting for everything else to get set up so that they can actually use these characters again. Fair.
0: I mean, we've talked about it. Thor is the one I'm most excited about. It. And I hear that one's a hot mess, but it's a fun hot mess. Right. And it's, yeah, it's a Taika Thor movie. That's all I needed from it, boy. Right. And it's <laughs> like, uh, is like we've both read
1: enough Thor to know that like being a hot being mess is, a hot is, mess like is on Thor. Thor. Yeah. yeah. Hot mess is on
0: brand. Am I going to kind of laugh and look at very pretty people across the gender spectrum? Yes, it's a Taika Thor movie. Um, And here's the thing. It's kind of like the Multiverse of
1: Madness. I hear a lot of people bring up Wanda's arc in it and how it doesn't. I've heard some people say character assassination. I'm not sure if I would go that far. I feel like her turn in this is better set up than 90% of the time it is in comics.
0: Yeah, and Wanda...
1: Look. It's still not something I like. And I think uh, I'll agree with uh, a podcaster I've mentioned many, many times on here before, Mark Bernard, and there is a part about halfway through the movie where you could have switched the bad guy to being Dr. Strange. It would make the movie about Dr. Strange and it would give us a lot more. It would have made sense in that part, part of the movie. And it'd give us a lot
0: more insight into him as a character. But that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Um... God, I keep referencing New Island, but we talk about it in our Wanda episode. Wanda is a fascinating character, largely defined by creator laziness and sexism. Mm -hmm. Because when they don't know what to do with Wanda, she turns evil. And modern creators like James Robinson have done really interesting things with Wanda actually examining having mental illness and like how to deal with that when your power is to literally warp reality. But it kind of... It, it it kind of makes it inevitable with the number of times that Wanda has turned evil that it, it That has Wanda to was going to turn once. evil, yeah, or return back to evil because blah 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 blah. But I never like that story, so
1: I'm not excited for that story. It does just it also just continues their trend of further setting setting up the Young Avengers. Oh right, because Miss America Chavez. See, that's the one I give a shit about. Right and um, God, I can't remember her last name. Uh, but Shahdil does a great job playing uh, America Chavez. I wish there was more to the character other than her being a living MacGuffin for the movie. But like, she's fine. She's great. There's just not much given
0: for Have her. Have you seen any of Miss Marvel yet? Not yet. Okay, we won't talk about it too much then. But man, I am really digging Miss Marvel, and just thinking of. Possible Young Avengers. She's a champion. They should do champions, not Young Avengers, but Young Avengers. Well, and they confirm that there is at least a multi, uh,
1: a other universe where Billy and Tommy are real. Mm-hmm. So, there's that.
0: Which, man, if you... I can't stop recommending old episodes of Noob Island in this conversation. If you go listen to our episode where we talk about Wiccan... Uh, Billy, mm-hmm. there we go. Like, that's kind of... I Ooh. mean, that's not what happens, but that's kind
1: am of... And I'm not, I'm not sure if they're going to go with the whole Billy is destined to be the Demiurge thing, but there was... I a... don't blame them for skipping that if they chose to. Yeah, if they skipped that, that's fine, but I thought that there was a couple things in the movie that you could interpret as pointing towards. They might be setting that up as well. But that's a lot more just conjecture and uh, hard to tell from little little bits of background info. Anyway, I don't know, look, I, I had a fun time with it. I think it's good, it just wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, like Multiverse of Madness and all the trailers made it seem like the Multiverse was gonna get blown wide open and how they were being really hush-hush about everything that was coming after until it came out. Yeah, it's pretty fucking self-contained.
0: Do you care if I spoil a thing about Miss Marvel? Go for it. She's probably the first mutant in the I MCU. I already saw that. Okay, I just yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh which I I could already hear the nerd screaming about it. But honestly, they talked about they kind of wanted to make her a mutant back in the day, but that was when Marvel uh Ike Promatter was still fucking pissed. That he didn't have, that Marvel movies didn't have the rights to uh, X-Men Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. So they were like purposely crotch kit- kicking two of their biggest franchises. So they're like, they'll be in humans instead. And no one thought it was a good idea. And she works fine as an inhuman, but she would have been equally as good as a mutant. I think. Could have changed nothing. I think
1: much like what they did with the uh, decree scroll Flip in Mm -hmm. the movies, heard the inhuman to mutant flip is kind of fun.
0: Wait, Cree Scroll? Like,
1: because the Scrolls are now set up kind of as the good guys. Oh,
0: okay. Now, in fairness, in the original Cree Scroll War, there is not a good guy on that one. No, 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 no. But more heroes tend to come out of the Cree side for Mm -hmm. sure, thanks to the Captain Marvel legacy.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Kind of like how they switch that in the movies. I think that's a fun switch up. Perfectly. I'm
0: I'm all for it.
1: But also makes me wonder why we couldn't have had a fun switch up in Multiverse of Madness. And <laughs> maybe <laughs> found some way to not make Wanda go evil for the 500th time. I don't know. I Once again, it was perfectly set up. She was self-teaching herself magic from the dark.
0: Oh, cult. yeah, no. We talked about it. I don't remember if it was on the show or the other one. We're being like, oh, that's bad. That's really,
1: that's really, really bad.
0: bad. Um... I had a friend be like, no, it's terrible. Why would they do this? I'm like, because it's the want. Like, Wanda has three playbooks. Do what Pietro says until she gets mad and kicks him out. Turn evil. Make out with the vision. <laughs> if you don't know what to do, Wanda will do one of those three things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those ones where... In hindsight, there's a lot of missed opportunities when you start talking about the movie. Fair
0: but, enough. Oh, so it's like when we talked about Wonder Woman 84 and went from like, I like this to like, this was the worst movie I've seen in a long time. Not quite that bad. I still liked it, but like, it was bad. Not um, quite that bad. I actually thought about Wonder Woman 84 while at work the other day and got mad all over again. Just oh no, like, it's, I mean, I still maintain that I had fun watching it, but the more you think about it, the longer it goes, the... Absolutely more terrible that movie
1: is. I was stalking an end cap and going, since when is a cheetah an apex predator? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Um, Other than that, that Boys Finished, that was awesome. Yeah. Love that show. Still have been playing a ton of Elden Ring. And started watching this show, Dark Skies. I think it's Dark Skies or Dark Winds. Anyway. I've heard the name. um, It's like a murder mystery on the Dine reservation in like the seventies. Oh, okay. And it's, it's not just a murder mystery. It's like, Ooh, maybe some weird supernatural stuff is mixed up in it too. Or not. And well, it's not just a murder mystery. Like there's a murder mystery going on, which is what kind of actually matters. But also in the background, there's this FBI investigation. Cause there was like a bank robbery, And they're probably interconnected, but the FBI isn't having it because they don't care about dead natives. And But then also maybe one of the bad guys is in conjunction with somebody who's practicing the witching way. Interesting. And it's unclear how much that actually is affecting things in the the world of this show or not so far. But maybe magic is definitely happening so it's fun so far i'm like i think they're only halfway through the season and i'm not even caught up to that much yet i think i'm two episodes behind so i can't say too much more but really enjoying it so far so
0: let's see um oh we're watching through uh, some of these i might have mentioned before because these are kind of slow process ongoing we have been watching through doctor who again starting at the beginning of the peter capaldi era Mm. Because uh, we want to get caught up for Jody's finale, and roommate Grizz has never finished Capaldi. Okay. And he couldn't remember where he finished, so we were like, eh, whatever." they're fun. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't watched a lot of his first season. I'd watched, like, the big episodes a couple times, but I hadn't watched it, like, on through probably since Cece and I watched it, so the first time Cece saw it. I still love his intro episode at how much they're like, how good of a doctor is he? actually that whole season stands up pretty strongly to be fair. The Danny pink stuff I'm back and forth on, but eh. I described the Capaldi era as Capaldi going from, I know I don't care about anyone to like, fine. I care about people, but I'm pissed off about it <laughs> and watching him. The whole Danny pink thing is so strong on the, like he's trying so hard not to care that it's, yeah, it's not the best, but, uh, I mean, it's not the worst Doctor Who is done by any stretch of the imagination. But I just watched, I think it's called Last Christmas. This is his very first Christmas special. Capaldi's very first. Mm -hmm. It's the one where Nick Frost is Santa. fucking love that one. It is the most, I mean, okay, start off. We're talking about things that I had a lot of fun watching that is like, eh. It is the most nonsensical horseshit episode. Oh, yeah. Of all time. Like, anytime I was trying to, like, look through the plot, understand what's going on, it doesn't make a lick of sense.
1: Other than it's mumbo jumbo just enough that we have Santa Claus in Doctor
0: Who. Yeah, no, and it's great. And God, Nick Frost is so good as Santa Claus. Like. Plus, it's a dude named Nick Frost playing Santa, Santa Claus. <laughs> no, I, I was trying to. Even if he wasn't already great. We're watching the episode, and I'm, like, keep trying to be like, how do you two not understand why this is exciting? <laughs> um, part of the reason, though, that re- that episode is like horseshit mm-hmm. is it wasn't supposed to end the way it did. Oh, okay. While they were recording it or uh, f- filming, filming it, Jenna Coleman was like, I'm not sure I want to leave Doctor Who. And Stephen Moffat's like, it's time to add another scene. (laughs) Uh, There's a character in it that when you read, like, they hadn't had a contract out, but they were kind of like, here's a soft test for a a future companion. And when you watch the episode, there's a blonde girl in it that you're like, oh, shit. This girl was supposed to be the next companion. Um. But it didn't. Happen In the same way that Sally Sparrow from Blink was kind of set up to possibly be a later on companion, right. but it didn't. I mean, partly in that case, because the actress took off, but still. And I was like, oh, no, this girl's story is kind of sad if it just ends where it is. Like, mm-hmm. uh God, but Nick Frost. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think Jennifer, uh, Clara, I think, and I can't be 100% sure on this, but I think she was honest to God supposed to actually end that being old and the doctor joining her and sharing regret that he didn't find her again earlier. Mm. And then they went, she's like, maybe I don't want to leave. And they're like, time to make that a dream too. Also it done fucked me up the how often they repeat. No one ever knows for sure that they're not dreaming. Did not care for that. <laughs> uh, and then we're watching through strange new worlds. We have one episode left. Okay. I, I, Can't say it's my favorite Star Trek because it doesn't have the years and years and decades of real deep emotional connection that I have to like next generation or Deep Space Nine or really 90 Star Trek. But one, the batting average for the quality of each episode is some of the highest the Trek has ever been. And in fairness, there's 10 episodes, so there's a lot less time for, like, here's the planet where women are then charge. Mm -hmm. Um, But two, this episode, or this show has made me cry more per capita than fucking any other show that I have watched in a long time. Okay. I have teared up at least four episodes out of the nine that I've watched. Some just straight-up crying. And I I laugh because people are like, it's time for Star Trek to be, like, bright and optimistic and cheery again. And it is the most, like, kick-you-in-the-nuts Star Trek I have ever seen. Multiple children get got. And I'm like, they just killed that kid. You can't kill the kid. Wow. (laughs) Or, like, not in one case, not necessarily killing the kid. But I'm like, okay, so... All right, I'm going to do a quick mm-hmm. spoiler on this one. Uh, Dr. Umega, who is the main uh, chief medical officer of the ship, has his daughter who is quickly dying of a uh, some kind of degenerative. I think it's a cancer of some kind, but like some degenerative disease. And he's keeping her alive by keeping her in the pattern buffer of the transporter. And then he transports her back, and then out again, and then back. Oh, because okay. you can only keep them in for so long. Right. There's a, a big Scotty episode where you find out he did it for 83 years on accident. Mm. It wasn't. It was supposed to be for like a month. Thanks to like, we're gonna die if like we don't save whatever. Um, but the tech isn't there yet because this is years before that. So he's bringing her out, and, but she's even if he's only bringing her out for like 20 minutes at a time, there's only so long because the the disease is deteriorating so quickly. Mm -hmm. And at the end of a story, she ends up joining some, you know, nameless, all-powerful Star Trek alien number seven. And lives a form free of her physical form, living across the psychic plane in this nebula with her friend that she names like Deborah or something like that. And it's kind of cute, but it's also... So she got took by the pilot? Yes, sort of. Except, like, no physical body at all. Like, they don't Mm. even reform it, and she's off just making stories with her alien friend. But it's kind of horrific when you think about it, because they met this alien about 20 minutes before this. Also, pretty much no one on the crew, not even Pike, knew that he was doing this. Mm. The first officer found out he was hiding his daughter in the transporter... And she's like, all right, we'll set up this alternative power thing. Things will be okay. And I'm like, yeah, okay, the cruise pack. Turns out, nope, just didn't tell anybody. You should tell the captain about this. Especially Pike. He's the kind of guy that would be like, yeah, get a second power generator on that. Let's not make mistakes here. I have described Ted Lasso as, in my Bellagarth Knighthood, one of the things I kind of aspire to. Mm-hmm. Pike is quickly becoming another one of those. Of They described it as, and I didn't fully agree with this, but Ansemout said, you know, Kirk is traditional manliness, which is no, it's a wild misunderstanding of Captain Kirk in the original series, but kind of how, uh, how we have, but it like through a pop culture inter- lens. Yes. Like, yeah. While Picard was all about the intellectualism and he's like, I want Pike to be heart. And that's absolutely what Pike is. It does make me laugh. And this will come up next episode. Cause we're doing, Oh, spoiler. We're doing lower deck season two next time in lower deck season two. Boimler, gets cloned and one of them gets sent back to the Cerritos because they can't have they don't have a position for him. Right. On the Titan. And they're like, oh, I wish I could have both of you. And then meanwhile Pike is like, anyone who wants to stay on the Enterprise has a job here forever if they need it. <laughs> like, hey cadet, you're leaving and you might not be coming back? If you ever change your mind, got a set for you. You haven't graduated yet, but I'll give you a command position, basically <laughs> like, <laughs> But he's like, let me keep all of my children. Um, but yeah. It, the that's epi- adorable and hilarious. <laughs> the episode fucks me up. Like all of them. Even, even the fun ones have moments where you're like, oh boy. That's kind of horrifying. And it has one of the greatest suspense episodes. Possibly the greatest suspense episode since season one of the very first Star Trek series. An episode, Balance of Terror, where they introduce the Romulans. Which I've gotten some hints is going to come up in the finale of Strange New Worlds as well, but mm. which is basically submarine warfare. But you know, oh, okay, space. yeah, yeah, they do the same thing here. Oh. Of it's treated like kind of submarine versus submarine. You know, findings. for the USS Enterprise. <sighs> yeah, uh, the Reliant scene where Kirk and Khan are battling in the Nebula in Wrath of Khan. This oh, okay, time Star Trek also does it, <clears throat> and it does it very well. I just think this episode and balance of terror do it better. And like next gen and DS nine had some great suspense episodes, but not this kind of like claustrophobic. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's so good. It's so good. And then I also watched DMT, but we're about to do Ninja Turtles stuff. So I'll just save that for,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's fun. Um, cool. So I had a thing I wanted to talk about with
0: Oni real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost Uh, forgot about that. So, Oni Press is a... Just because this is nuts. (laughs) No, it's wild. It is a third or fourth level comic book company. So, like, big two is uh, Marvel and DC. What I would call the second tier comic company, and this is not a statement of quality, because the second tier tends to make better, higher quality comics, but they're not the same thing, is, like, Image and Dark Horse. Yeah. Third tier is probably, like, Dynamite, Boom uh, IDW and then Oni press kind of hangs out with them or maybe a level below. Like they kind of dip up and down, but they do good comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they recently got sued for a comic that they put out called gender queer and they got sued in a really bullshit way. Gender queer is a uh, an auto bio about this person coming out as I believe non binary. I have not read gender queer somewhere on the yeah gender spectrum. And uh, it was being listed in one of the weird states that's doing everything they can to not let kids read about gay people. Right. As uh, pornography. And they're like, what? No, fuck you. But in the last week, Oni Press, which is uh, which merged with a company called Lion Forge a year or two ago, I think in 2019. And I like Lion Forge. I think they're actually a pretty interesting up-and-coming company. But they merged with Lion Forge, and then o- the Oni division kind of stayed semi-independent. Okay but they fired like 90% of their staff. They fired among other things, director of publicity, Tara Leham, senior vice president of marketing, Alex Segura, who's a guy that's got some level of like, he's not, you know, Scott Snyder in the comic book company, but he's one of those names that Mm -hmm. he's a faithful backbencher to use a doctor who term Um, marketing manager, Henry Barajas, And I think someone else, but like, those are the ones I have on the list here. And everyone was like, what the fuck is going on at Oni? Is it is it dying? And people going, I have books coming out in a couple months. Is it... Are they just not going to come out? And it is terrible to have an... Even if it's an independent, like, you own it book mm-hmm. being released by a company that's supposed to be released by a company that dies. Because then, do I still get to release it from a different company? It gets all... The rights get all fucky. And even, like, Mark Wade, who is one of... The most reliable names in comics, huge creator, uh, was like, if you have a book with Oni, see if you can buy back their publishing rights now. Do it. This, like, I've been on front of companies that die before. This is, Oni is dying, get the fuck out while you can. It sucks, we all hate it, but do it. But Oni put out this just wild press release. And the fun thing about it is no one knows who wrote this press release response because they ha- fired their entire marketing staff.
1: That's insane. A, a, a
0: description that I heard just to get out of this is the, the like dedicated office staff of Oni, since they don't employ any like uh, uh, soul creators or anything like people bring their comics to them, publish through them. But like the editorial team, if you put it in a brick and mortar shop is about the size of a McDonald's. So with the number of people they fired, pretty much all they have of original Oni is like the office supplies and like maybe two people. But the, the press release is with wildly sensationalistic rumors circulating and false information spreading, we'd like to reiterate that recent personnel changes at Oni Lion Forge Publishing Group were made with the sole purpose of evolving the company and brand and positioning it for long-term success. We're proud of our long history in the business and continually strive to be better, to be better and do better. We started Lion Forge Comics 11 years ago specifically to make great creator-driven content, and Oni's history is 25 years in the business within a new framework that is being worked on. Now, we remain committed to publishing groundbreaking content, embracing pioneering creators, and advancing authentic diversity and inclusion. We see an incredibly exciting future, not just for the company, but for our fans and content consumers worldwide. Now, this is a publishing release from a comic book company. You know what word only came up once and only in relation to a title? Comics. Mm. They did not once mention publishing comic books in their press release where they were promising that Oni is doing just fine. Yeah, I'm looking at like some of these
1: names that they, they laid off. Uh, well, the latest, there's been a couple rounds of layoffs, and one of the rounds happened two weeks ago where they laid off one of the publishers, James Lucas Jones, and the creative business development vice president, Charlie Chu, who were both supposed to moderate panels at SDCC. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that part. They
0: pulled out of everything from SDCC, San Diego Comic-Con, a month before SDCC happened. Yeah. That's wild. This is in some levels crazier than when we talked about when uh, uh, DC dropped their, not CEO, but chief creative officer, Mm -hmm. their uh, head publisher. Um, Oh God, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but not important. Um, just fucking out of nowhere. Like this is the whole thing is like, oh honey, this company's not doing well, is it? And like, there's a lot of people being like, well, time to wait for the NFTs to start launching. Yeah, uh, There's a few companies that I liked. They're like, we're launching an NFT line. I'm like, Valiant, stop it. <laughs> um, oh man. I read an in, I've I read a whole new Ninjack series recently Ooh. and I'm not going to go into it other than the explanation is great. I had a lot of fun. I love that ninjack is the most ridiculous, what if James Bond dressed as a ninja? Yeah. But they play it completely seriously, but they reveal in this one that it's not ninjack. It's technically Ninja K. Oh, God. And <laughs> okay, that, Weapon 10. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the very first agent was called Ninja, and he was a... Um, on loan during World War 1 from Japan and he was Ninja, ninja. <laughs> and then it got turned to Ninja A and his successor was Ninja B, Ninja C, Ninja D and so he's technically not Ninjack he's Ninja K. But since no one outside of the Ninja program doesn't know <laughs> it it's just Ninjack. That's fucking amazing. I'm on a hardcore Ninjack run. I've got I've got on order the next series up. That's oh, I'm so it's fun. It's legitimately a good series, but it is one of those you're like, okay, I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna twist my lens just a little bit to the left, and then uh, let's do this. Oh shit! All right, let's do uh, the trailer park. Yeah, we watched three trailers. Should let's we just go, go the order, order? them. We watched them. Yeah. Uh, what did we watch first? We watched uh, the monsters.
1: We watched the the trailer that has had the monsters theme stuck in my head for the past for week. Fucking
0: days. It's been between that and Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I've just been sitting like going about my day. Um, Okay. So both of us grew up watching the monsters. My mom recorded a VHS copy of the Nick at night marathon.
1: And I just would watch it all the time on Nick at night. Anyway, we didn't
0: reliably have Nickelodeon. She had one roommate that she Mm -hmm. wasn't living with for very long. So we just recorded like tapes and tapes worth of Nickelodeon. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: Yeah, no, my my every night was just like, cool, monsters, Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore Show, so, Happy Days.
0: Okay, so first off, directed by Rob Zombie, I have not seen any other Rob Zombie films. I have seen... All of them, I imagine? Y- At yes. At least all of the actually, ones that they mentioned here. All of them,
1: um, and including the one that people hardly ever mention. What's that one? Um, uh, the Haunted World of, World of El Superbisto.
0: Yeah, I've never even heard of that one. It's his so. animated
1: one. Oh, that's it's a... not good. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big Rob Zombie. Like I, I have enough love for House of Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects that I will give anything Rob Zombie does a chance.
0: Well, and... some
1: of it is not good.
0: Oh, fair enough. And I, I, I was World a, a white Super zombie fan style. for a little while. Like there's still some zombie fans or zombie songs that I'm like, this ain't my style of music. But burn through the dishes, Okay. But the thing is that I am seeing here on this one, people being like, what the hell, Rob? Why isn't this, like, super hardcore? And I want to be like, it's the fucking monsters." Here's a... I think people saying that don't
1: understand enough about who Rob Zombie is. No, he's such he's a, a nerd. A, he's such a gigantic fan of the original series. While filming House of a Thousand Corpses, because of the set that they were working on, he would go eat his lunches on the Munsters' porch. they were filming across the street from the munster house
0: so he would go that's amazing
1: (laughs) he loves that series to death i always knew he was going to do it straight i'm not sure if i'm actually going to like it it looks goofy and i'm not sure if it looks goofy in the right ways at times but i am so fucking overjoyed that he's getting to do
0: this i'm so curious I'm actually way more into it than I was before. I still think it's like a three-hour movie, so that's too long. I'm sorry, but it it looks like it's like the love story of yeah.
1: It Herman, looks like it's gonna be and I Herman can't think and Lily, of getting Lily getting together. Yeah,
0: I'm in. Uh, uh, Sylvester McCoy is in it somewhere. We didn't see him in the trailer, oh, right. but they announced he's in it. I look. People people
1: give Rob crap for putting Sherry in everything mm-hmm. but I think she looks like she's going to do a she great looks job as Lily perfect.
0: actually I liked her better than I like the guy playing Herman
1: he so I I'm having a weird time with that because that part is so rooted as Fred Gwynn for me mm-hmm. just his voice isn't right his voice isn't right his mannerisms are spot on and yes. that's impressive no and I'm really in on me. that
0: but like f- what'd you say his name was Fred Gwynn Fred Gwynn was uh, the original Herman He has a very like distinctive voice of like this. And this guy has like a really kind of like high pitched one almost. And it's. So this guy was one of the Geico cavemen. Okay, whatever. Just to point
1: that (laughs) out. Most people wouldn't know that, but I'm just pointing it out. He also worked with Rob on uh, Lords of Salem. Oh, cool. Because Rob likes to work with the same people. A lot of. Yeah.
0: A lot of the kind of directors of whose movies we're going to be talking about here do. Uh, Because Kevin Smith's next. I'm actually really curious on this. I'm enjoying the goofiness of this. I think that you can do I'm not a believer that it has to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And this is a show that obviously feels no need to like try and update it to modern audiences. It it kind
1: of just looks like a movie length version of the TV show. Yeah. Which is color, with.
0: which honestly I kind of wish if you're going to do it keep it in black and white for this case, but
1: Oh, whoever's playing grandpa also looks like they're knocking it out of the park. Mm -hmm. Um, That also impressed me from the trailer. Plus like deep cuts like um, Herman's uh, werewolf cousin, which Which explains explains why he
0: has a werewolf son. mm -hmm. Also, the fact that when he was doing the uh, Herman Munster laugh, that point he had Mm -hmm. really good. It's
1: going to be weird not having the kids.
0: Yes, because usually it was the the creepy little werewolf boy mm-hmm. and their his cousin who's a normal lady, niece, niece, something like I that. I can't Yeah. Did you ever see the the pilot that didn't re- reach a series of uh, number nine, Mockingbird Lane? Oh, the the Fuller. Yeah, with with Eddie Izzard. Was it Eddie Izzard? For some reason, mm-hmm. I kept thinking it was Tim Curry, but no, you're right. It's Eddie Izzard as Grandpa. I never did watch it. It's actually really good. And mm-hmm. it's uh Lily is played by the sister from Arrested Development, which I had a hard time with. <laughs> but I'm sad it didn't get made into a series because it's the kind of weird that Fuller could have done. But this is like that was a reimagining of the monsters. This was I love the monsters and I want to make some fucking monsters contents. Yeah. Um, I mean I'm
1: I'm here for it. I'm gonna watch it. I just don't know if it's actually gonna be any good, but Whatever I've watched, bad other Rob Zombie. It's kind of
0: one of those things that I just don't give a shit if it is or not. We should do a crossover episode with uh, Fried Squirms when we, we do. probably and will. The three of us will sit down because I'm going to make it. Danny
1: talk about this trailer today.
0: You
1: know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Clerks Three. I mean, it's my most anticipated movie of the year.
0: Yeah. Oh God, Look, I'm I, so
1: happy for it.
0: I am calling this right now. I think it looks better than reboot.
1: You know what? Honestly, from what I've been Like, Kev's been talking about the people he's been talking to who have seen this movie Mm -hmm. since it's, you know, like, in that stage of development.
0: Yeah, because it...
1: uh, And they're all saying, according to him, that it's also better than Reboot. I think it's probably going to be.
0: Well, you and I talked about Reboot. We did an episode on Mm -hmm. it. We both enjoyed Reboot. You liked it better than I did, but, like, I had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But Reboot was weird partly because it was a script that was heavily rewritten several times. And I don't think he did that with this one. Like, there were old Clerks 3 scripts. I was
1: about to say, uh, other than the one major, like, gigantic rewrite, because the original Clerks 3 script was dark.
0: Wildly different and pretty dark. And I don't remember what it was supposed to be about. But No,
1: and I know they've done table reads of it, too, but I've never actually, I don't know if they've taped any of them. I haven't gotten around to hearing any of that yet. I'm part of that some uh, skepticism. Sca- that Kevin Smith Club, I can probably find it if I wanted to by going through his archives, but
0: uh and you know, like it there were a lot of things going and to be honest, Clerks Three originally was coming out during the phase during probably my least favorite Kevin Smith phase. He went through a kind of weird phase after uh that one that did so fucking bad. Cause he did Clerks Two and then he did the Ben Affleck one that everyone hated. Jersey Girl. Ooh, Jersey Girls after Clerks too. I guess it was, wasn't it? It might have been Jersey Girl and then Clerks 2. Either way, he went through a phase where he got kind of vindictive and he burned a lot of friendships during that time. You and I have talked about it a little bit over the years. And I just, I don't think his headspace for where he was would have been as good for... And he made some interesting stuff during that time.
1: Well, I mean, okay. Well, Clerks 3 wouldn't have been from that time. If anything, Clerks 3 would have been from, like, right after Zack and Mary uh, and or around yoga
0: hosers, which... So his extreme paranoid face? (laughs) Because didn't he get really paranoid after Zack and Mary for a while? Because he was smoking, like, mad amounts of weed? Oh, he hasn't ever stopped
1: smoking the amount of weed that he started smoking right after Zack and and Mary... Um, well the Zack and Miri thing was weird because there is no like good reason on paper that movie didn't take off that was the thing at the time everyone no
0: wanted to advertise a movie about a porno right it's
1: not a porno but it, it you know mm-hmm. that was a weird that was it was looking just... back that's weird because that was the
0: style of R-rated comedy that was coming out at the time it No, had, no. like he was just so blatant about it mm-hmm. that like they can be like super bad they were like Porn oh, right. It's also probably still maybe my second favorite of all of his. I, I find it's really love good. Zach Somebody I've never seen it. Oh um, I love Zack and Mary. And I'm not even insulting that era of his stuff. Saying my least favorite era of Kevin Smith doesn't mean I think it's bad. I fucking love Kevin Smith. I just think that he went through a kind of weird phase at the time, and as I said, like him and uh uh Randall, their relationship fell apart.
1: And oh, well, that's also... Um, so, Jeff Anderson has always been hesitant coming back to Clerks. First off, there was different reasons for he didn't want to come back, back to Clerks too. But then once he did come back to Clerks too, he didn't get paid for a long time because the studio was screwing them both over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, Kevin didn't even know about it for a while. And so that Jeff was kind of pissed at Kev for a little bit until Kev got involved and was like, wait, I have nothing to do with this. Like, you need to get fucking paid. <laughs> Uh, but that got all drawn out because, uh, fuck, Clerks 2 was Miramax. Yeah, because he used to do everything through Miramax. Um, and they used every fucking trick they could to basically just try to not pay people that worked on that movie is what it sounded like. What the fuck? Okay, either way. Um, and then he didn't want to come back to the original script because it was dark and a downer, and Jeff didn't want to go do that. But Fair enough. But then he, liked this new script... Kev's like, here, how about this? Because I don't like that old script anymore either. And Jeff's like, yeah, no, I'm good with this one. And I got paid. And we're <laughs> and we're doing this
0: with Lionsgate now and like all this other stuff. So Cool, okay. Clearly I don't know enough about Kevin Smith to talk about what I'm talking about, but um, <laughs> I mean it's so Kevin has always been I make movies about my life, but translated into larger than life situations. This is the most on the nose I've possibly ever seen him. Oh, I'm that? so excited! They're the movie they're making is
1: Inconvenience, which is the working title for Clerks. Like it's in black and white because they're recording it at night. They've got the fucking. Well, I'm kind of be curious it. why they're choosing to film it in black and white in the movie. Because Kev did it because it was cheap.
0: Yeah, it was. It was cheap, and I want to say that's... No, that's why the shutters were always closed. The shutters were
1: always closed was because it was at night. Mm -hmm. It's not cheap to film in black and white anymore. (laughs) So
0: I'm wondering why... Although I could see them be like, we have these old black and white cameras, so Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to do. God, he takes so many pot shots at himself in this trailer. (laughs) So good. (laughs) I'm glad that they brought back um, Elias. I can't... I don't know that actor's name. Uh, Trevor Furman. And... uh, we get at least a bit of Rosario Dawson. I hope we get a lot of Rosario Mr. Dawson. Leave Elias alone, Randall. <laughs> because I really liked Rosario's character in Clerks too. Mm-hmm. God, she was good.
1: I was. My jaw dropped when I watched that trailer for the first time, and they referenced the original ending.
0: Yeah, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. We got distracted. <laughs> the fucking I rewrote it. So you could get killed in the third act. So like no.
1: That I was like, Oh my God, I wonder how many people know about that ending. These I days. think
0: what happens is Kevin Smith every once in a while. And probably what happened with the original clerks three gets arty with it. And I don't always agree. And I don't think he always agrees with his arty decisions. Cause anytime he talks about them, he's like, yeah, it's probably good. That didn't turn out. Well,
1: mm, especially from, uh, the original clerks era, mm-hmm. like he fully acknowledges how much of a fucking, uh, cinephile douche he was as a young man. <laughs> it's pretty funny to hear him talk about it these days.
0: Well, and let's be honest with it. Well, possibly his most important movie is uh, the movie that aged the worst is the artiest movie he made, which is uh, fucking Chasing Amy. Also, I wouldn't say it actually has aged that badly. I've rewatched it. It's. I'm not, I, I keep saying I'm not saying it's bad. I would say the
1: one that aged the worst is Clerks too.
0: Really. Okay, I haven't watched it in a long time. I'm I was thinking taking about it, it back. Yep, that scene did not age... I mean, you were never supposed to to be with him on that one, but... <laughs> <sighs> now that you point that out, yeah, that's a... God, Clerks 2 was my favorite of his movies, too. God damn it.
1: <laughs> at le- Yeah, at least Chasing Amy is still noticeably progressive for the time period it was put out in. Yes,
0: but it's one of those that you have to put for the time period it was put out in. I mean... Honestly, it's
1: still not the worst, but...
0: I just agree with what they talked about in Reboot, of this story should have been written by a fucking queer person.
1: Yes, but nobody was doing that at that time. Yeah, no... I mean, not that anybody... Was, no studios was giving makers that the chance to tell mm-hmm. that Thero no, story. No, it's like
0: Tom Hanks talked about... I think it was Tom Hanks, uh, a movie that he was in where he played a gay man, and he's like, man, that would have been inappropriate to do today. Mm-hmm. But, like, back then, it was huge that I was willing to do this mm-hmm. um, and what's our last one Harley Quinn
1: oh yeah Harley Quinn season 3
0: looks fun it's kind of all I, know, I got for it, it I know, I was
1: about to say it looks fucking hilarious I'm excited the greening of Gotham is going to happen and Swamp Thing's getting involved somehow that has me excited
0: it was kind of just a matter of time till Swamp Thing appeared just because anytime Ivy shows mm-hmm. up I do keep thinking about when Harley Quinn season 1 came out a bunch of people particularly people who don't really read the comic books. And I'm not one of those like, well, you don't read the comics, so you don't have an opinion. We're like, oh man, they're queer erasing Harley Quinn by not giving her a romance with Ivy. And I'm like, no, no, no. If they don't do that by like season three, we can complain. But for now, wait. (laughs) Because that's really like, I'm all team Harley and Ivy together as a couple, but you do need to give them time season one, her recovering from her relationship with the Joker and like actually getting away from him was a hundred percent the right choice as far as I'm concerned.
1: And it's okay. Uh, I don't want to rank. I don't want to try to rank these things, but in some ways is just as important of a story to tell. If that makes sense. Just like, because of the way that they had been portrayed so much in pop culture, oh, then with how problematic that relationship, relationship was, having like making it a point to show her break away from that relationship is extremely important. No, I felt. there's
0: a I'm, I'm reading through the Harley Quinn New Fifty Two series, which does the same thing, and mm-hmm. actually Harley Quinn the cartoon borrowed from that run heavily, mm-hmm. and it is so important to show Harley actually getting away from the Joker. And it's, maybe it's just because of the amount of edgy
1: Facebook, "She's my Harley, I'm her oh, Joker" God, type it. It makes fucking me so memes. angry. Like I f- especially feel when it comes to that character, like it's important to show both sides, her getting away from
0: that, yeah, and where she acts. Well, and gets to Harley being trapped in an abusive relationship with the Joker is a very important part of her story, but. It's also important to show, if you're going to show an abuse victim, it's important to show what happens next. Because the breakaway isn't as clean as we're done, everything's okay now. And I remember when uh, the Suicide Squad came out because that had her full-on in the choke in the Joker mm-hmm. gaslighting her zone. And people being like, there's nothing redeemable but Harley Quinn. Like, you're just showing an abuse victim. And I, and I, I remember some people being very offended at the concept I'm like no no this is actually great this is a really good way to show I mean if it's not done right you know like the first Suicide Squad movie mm-hmm. um it can be really bad but we argue that fiction is a really good way of showing things and watching someone like Harley Quinn escape and become her own person is really kind of powerful and i I can't prove it, but I am certain there are people who got the strength to get away from their abusers, not just because of Harley Quinn, but helped, you know, like, be the impetus. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was season one is the process of getting away. Season two is its own kind of messy thing. Now season three is I'm in a new relationship again. What does that entail? I have to rewatch season two, but I'm really interested
1: This, The storyline with the Joker that seems to be happening in season three is very interesting because uh, season two of Harley maybe made their version of the
0: Joker my favorite Joker? One of my favorite Joker portrayals. Which is interesting because he is straight up the worst joke. Not the worst, like
1: they they do some interesting things with in a couple episodes with him in the second season mm-hmm. where you get to see his humanity in a way where they're not trying to uh, apologize him. Yeah, him, okay. for. Yeah,
0: okay. That's that's the problem of apologizing for the Joker automatically turns me off on the story.
1: No, there's just some some things happen where his his circumstances change and you get to see a weird side where then he kind of goes back to being the Joker for uh, it's weird. All I don't right. know. I liked it though. I remember I liked it, but
0: I don't remember enough details to talk very well about it right now. And I well need to read really the season. Alan Tudyk is such a good mm-hmm. Joker voice. Like he's, he knocks it out of the park as much as I'm saying that Joker is contemptible. He was designed to be that way. And Alan Tudyk's doing a great job. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Yeah. But otherwise I'm just like, cool. It looks dope. Like, mm-hmm. and it looks like the fucking awesome, dirty fucking Harley show that I've been enjoying. So also,
0: let's just take a moment. Before we go on our quick break, let's just take a moment to appreciate the fact that there's a fucking lesbian-led, NC-17, super bloody, super openly like these two women, yeah, we're fucking a lot, (laughs) cartoon coming out from fucking DC comic books. I'm just fucking imagining any of the old-school DC editors that were like, you're not even allowed to show black people. And the fucking heart attack that this show would bring about. I, I,
1: phew, I'm wondering who else is off. I'm wondering who they're going to off this season because last season they also offed some pretty noticeable, like notable characters. Yeah. Like I'm now convinced that nobody's safe and I'm going to be really sad if they kill Swamp Think.
0: As long as King Shark makes it through, I think I'll be okay. He's, he's gone. I'm sorry. I said it. Sorry, <laughs> say that loud. Um, now he's gone. Oh no! And useless Bane. <laughs> oh, we know he's in the Kite Man spinoff, so there's at least a little bit. Um. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we will discuss the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, arrows in a half shell.
1: Turtle power.
0: I was thinking about this as I was. You know, driving over here, doing that, like, formulating my thoughts, yada, 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 horse shit with this. Because uh, we're doing Turtles, but what we picked specifically was the new Turtles game, whose name I've already forgotten. Uh, Shredder's Revenge. Shredder's Revenge, thank you. And uh, specifically TMNT, the IDW Collection Volume 1, which is, uh, IDW has had... The Turtles license for, I don't know, 10 to 15 years now. Mm-hmm. I think about, I think about 12 specifically, but the IDW collection collects the first 12, about 15 issues total. Right. So enough time for us to get kind of the, the read on the most recent revamp of this. It's like the first nine issues of
1: the main series and then the micros. Uh,
0: the first 12 and that's then what it Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Leonardo, and the Splinter one-shots. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because this is a series, which I started just buying these hardcover IDW collections for two reasons. One, because I am a sucker for a big, beautiful hardcover, and these are very nice. And two, it's kind of a pain in the ass to collect the, like... Main series. Oh, got to split over to this, like, side series now of, you know, the, the micro series or the Legend of the Foot Clan miniseries that mm-hmm. they did. That is absolutely part of the ongoing single storytelling thing they've been doing. But it takes place between issues 15 and 16 or mm. fucking wherever. Mm-hmm. So it just got easier to just collect the big, fancier versions. Um. I started collecting this at the very beginning of the pandemic and I'm pretty sure I talked about it and I talked about like, oh, I'll pick them up. I've heard good things, but whatever. And I remember getting kind of mad about how much I enjoyed it. And it got me thinking about, I was thinking about this today specifically of how weird it is that I got kind of mad that I enjoyed the turtles. Like there's some part of it that has some part of me that has trouble taking the turtles at all seriously. And... I should be careful when I say seriously, because, I mean, it's about fucking Ninja Turtles. Like, it's not a serious (laughs) comic. But it actually does surprisingly serious things sometimes. Um, But, you know, okay, so the, the thing that kind of made me pause was I realized Ninja Turtles, one, is easily the most successful independent comic book in the world. Yeah. In history. Yeah, I would
1: argue kind of like how Star Wars is the most successful independent movie of all time.
0: I would argue it takes fifth place in most successful comic book in history, because if I had to really guess and this is not me making quality, like if my quality, your characters not on this list, I'm not saying it's bad. Mm-hmm. My favorite characters, for the most part, aren't on this list, but the most successful comic book franchises of all time, Batman, Superman. Spider-Man, the X-Men, and the Ninja Turtles. That sounds right to me. Wonder Woman is fucking working for it. She's wildly important. She's amazing. Point,
1: but like. Turtles might be able to have a slugfest and get above X-Men at this I'm point. I'm not
0: really placing those right. like in order. Batman's number one. is amazing because 50 years ago, Superman would have topped him. Absolutely. But it was really the Tim Burton movies that put him over the edge. But that's wild to think about. But I mean, think about it. Everyone in our age, if you were a child in the 90s, you went through a phase where you desperately wanted Ninja Turtle toys.
1: I was going to. So what's what's your history with the turtles, I guess, to start
0: this off? I don't remember not knowing the turtles. I don't remember my first experience with them. Remember, I was born in 1988. Mm -hmm. The turtles appeared. I don't have the specific year, but I want to say like 87 ish. Right, I 80s. mean that there was the late eighties.
1: The first toy run happened in eighty eight.
0: Okay, so that would yeah. So they probably actually first appeared in the early eighties. Their takeoff was fucking incredible, and I'll do a quick run on that. But I had, I had one of those, you know, those slightly larger action figures that they keep the price down by making them hollow, and they don't have that many points of. Uh, yeah, every generation has that kind of toy. I had a Donatello of those eighty four. Eighty four. That that tracks. Mm-hmm. God, they took off so fast. And then I had, I wanted turtles toys when I was like five or six. And that was towards the end. Cause that would have been 93. I don't know how long the original series ran through, but like the original cartoon series. Oh, right. Um, uh, well, and it was one of those where it had its, uh, the
1: first, uh, 87 through 96.
0: Oh, God, I went longer. Than I, went. I have some memories of the latter end of that cartoon where they had kind of jumped the shark and they were having, like, now we're going extra random mutation. Like, yeah. I'm becoming a bigger turtle because we want to compare it with the street sharks, which is a wild sentence to say out loud. I was watching them both. God, the street shark toys. The, sh- 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 sh. the street shark toys are still some of the best toys ever made.
1: Fight me. And, I mean, I would... Go from one mutated animal to the next, because it was Ninja Turtles, Street Sharks, Mighty Ducks.
0: Uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me has a great bit about the uh, mutated animals genre of children's television. Ninja Turtles, I'm not saying they're the best. They are the classic when it comes to that. They might be, uh, depending on the story, it's best. But, like, I had... Raphael was my favorite when I was a kid. I had... uh, a caveman Raphael and I had Raphael as a magician with the little, like he had a rabbit in his hat that he was wearing and you hit the little button on the back of the hat and Mm. like it would pop out of the top of the hat. And he even had like the little twisty mustache. And I don't know why, like I don't because all those toys came up with a reason of why they pretended like this. Like here's why the turtles are pretending to be magicians. Don't know what they are. Don't care. I mean, this is the point that if I go to an antique mall or like any kind of antique store. I'll go see if they have turtle toys. I probably won't buy any, although I'm really tempted to go to the antique mall now and pick up a couple of old turtle toys. But like, it's just it's it was such a part of my childhood. The first movie, not the first movie I remember watching, but the first turtles movie I remember watching is uh, the second live action one. Oh, right. with Uh, fucking vanilla ice. Jump ninja, jump ninja, jump. Go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja.
1: Oh, Raph the Magnificent—that was the one that you had. Yeah. Uh, I might have a list in front of me <laughs> of the entire Playmates uh, series of
0: toys. God, I think I think Turtles is how I found out about Usagi Yojimbo. I mean, that was early <clears> enough <throat> that I can't tell you if it was that or I just found it at a library. But yep, that's the, my boy. Oh, oh, I'm having flashbacks now. Oh, I'm kind of sad he's gone. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're a little older than me. So not, like, yeah, not your... much like
1: a year and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. But because I'm 87,
0: it's just enough that you and I have the occasional like different memories when it comes to cartoons.
1: Ninja Turtles was probably the first IP I gave a shit about. Yeah. Just like in general, like I've talked about, like I don't remember a time like not knowing Star Wars. I think I do actually remember probably the first time I saw Ninja Turtles, and it hit me so hard. I was I was looking through the 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 toy line earlier because I was trying to remember which ones I had. I didn't have any from the original nineteen eighty eight play uh, Playmates run, right? Yeah, Playmates toys because Playmates toys made. Uh, the turtle toys from 88 through 97. Okay. But then I was taking a look. I think I might have had at least one toy from every wave past the first one. Damn. And I had friends that did if I didn't. Like, I was taking a look through this. Like, I had Ace Duck. I had... Uh, you brought up Usagi Ujimbo. I, that's where I know Usagi's Jimbo. My buddy I, had
0: Space Usagi from the toy line. Oh,
1: I wanted the Space oh, Usagi. It was, cool. it was so cool. That's like a six wave toy or something like that. It's so cool.
0: The number of people are like, yeah, I love that Turtles character, and I always have to be like, I'll fucking kill you. I mean, no, that's great. No, actually, it's <laughs> its own property.
1: My favorite two were probably the two oldest ones I had because they were from the second wave, the 1989 run, which was the Ace Duck and Metal Head. Um, I kind of remember... Oh, I know who Metalhead is. I don't remember East Duck. I mean, he looked like a duck that was a pilot.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: he most. What I mostly remember is he had these detachable wings. And because they were detachable, they were whenever I was playing with my toys, they were
0: basically just the hang glider for every other toy that I had. Man, I just Googled Space Usagi, like the single volume, to see if I could... Mm. P- I love that book. I'm not dropping $100 on a book that... Like, it's long out of print. Um, Unfortunately, my
1: Usagi and my Rat King were early um, fatalities to my dogs. My dogs were really good dogs for the most part, but, like, once a year they would choose a toy or two to just... Oh, it happens. And so my Rat King and my Usagi got that. Um, Had Don the Undercover Turtle from the third wave. Had... Uh, Ray Filet, who was like the, the big mantis guy, uh, the manta ray guy, like, (laughs) uh, who, as I remember, changed color depending on the temperature of the water. Oh, that's
0: kind of interesting.
1: I don't know. I was going through this and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I had. Fuck, like the Leo with the storage shell. I didn't have too many of the, I, I tended to have more of like the, the weird characters like tattoo. Yeah had tattoo probably where i first wanted to get tattoos fair enough the seeing the first movie i think as like a it came out when i was three i probably saw it for the first time when i was four became probably my most quoted movie between four and six my uh my dad ended up teaching me how to play poker based on how much i just loved when the kids were playing paint playing poker in the hideout and the kids read him and weep and throws down his cards full house. I didn't know what any of that meant, but but you kept
0: doing it to people. So your dad's like, sit down, son. Yep. It's time.
1: Uh, (sighs) I got, my parents got me a skateboard for the first time because of that movie. Um, and then I found out I'm fucking terrible on a skateboard and haven't wanted to do it since.
0: See, my dad was never a heavy, like buy him toy. I mean, I had plenty of toys. Don't get me wrong. But he'd be like, no, you have a Power Ranger. You have three Power Rangers toys. We don't need the other 15. And I'm like, yeah, I do. At a certain point for me, it became my parents' like safe fallback.
1: Like, mm-hmm. we can't remember what he's into this week, but we know that he still likes turtles. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, because I even had, like, some of the toys I definitely didn't want. I had, like, the, the, the turtles transformers where they turn into construction equipment.
0: I didn't even know about those ones. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, this kind of sums up how, and, and Turtles, I what amazes me is every generation since has their Turtles face.
1: Well, here's the thing. With what we chose to talk about today with Shredder's Revenge, um, the 1989 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade cabinet from Konami is the first arcade cabinet me and my best friend ever beat.
0: We had very different relationships with this game, I suspect. Um, I liked it, don't get me wrong, but I was not good at it.
1: Me and him both loved playing that, and one time we decided to save up whatever money we could, and at the end of a month we both had like 5 dollars quarters. went down to uh, the restaurant that had the arcade cabs in town, and just sat in front of that game till we beat it.
0: Yeah, that's... I've never done that in my life
1: we would later go on to do that with Die Hard Arcade
0: and Lucky and Wild as well. But I think what's inter- one interesting thing for Turtles for me is as much as I enjoy it and as much as I like tout it as an independent comic book, it's not really anymore Nickelodeon owns the rights, but it's still not like Marvel DC. Well, it became, it became one of the biggest things in the world yeah.
1: really quickly. Yeah. Um, that 1990... Or that 1989 Konami cab became... I think like the top earning arcade cabinet in 1990, and Konami's best selling of all time. Wow, wow. and Konami's not a small company. No. so that's. Uh... Um, I one of my you you heard some of it when you first came in. One of the first tapes I owned was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles musical coming out
0: of their shells. Oddly, I owned Bible cassettes which is weird because i grew up in a pretty agnostic household (laughs) some family member must have bought them for me because i have no idea where they came from coming out of the shelves Uh, i was gonna say those what i think is interesting is as much as i tout it as this in a great independent comic i don't like the original creators that much Mm. i think kevin eastman's kind of a jerk and his art style does not work for me at all weird i love
1: his art style Like, whenever I was reading through that IDW and they threw in,
0: like, the Eastman covers, I sat on that page for an extra minute. I think he does covers well. I don't think he's great at sequential storytelling. Mm. I think his stuff gets muddled and lost. Mm. Uh, Because later on, I mean, because Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird was not involved in this. Peter Laird sold Ninja Turtles for a shit ton of money and the right to publish a certain number of Turtles comics a year that are his... Mm-hmm. no one can stop him he can do whatever he want with them and Peter Laird's later turtle work when he was doing it alone got fucking weird turned out that April was a drawing brought to life by her parents through magic ink okay yeah man turtle shit went weird in the time after the cartoon ended but before kind of the more modern stuff kicked in mm-hmm. but like Eastman was involved in the creation of this but he didn't write it and he only drew it sometimes and honestly I think it's kind of the best things that's happened to Turtles Uh, you know the thing to remember is Turtles was not supposed to last longer than its first issue right they borrowed like I don't know like 10,000 bucks or something enough to make a good production run from their uncle or from Eastman's uncle to do a black and white basically Ashcan comic like a, a, a hand stapled comic book to sell at Comic-Con just to try it out, just to make enough money. And they made enough money back on it that they were like, all right, let's do another one. And then four years later, the fucking cartoon launches and creates a worldwide phenomenon. But it means that some of their stuff was a little like, hey, let's have them do this next, which is very in the vein of old school Stanley and Jack Kirby comic creating. But Stanley and Jack Kirby knew what they were doing while having the like... Let's have them do this next.
1: Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I do find that that IDW series is maybe the best mix between the original turtles and the popular turtles. Yes, if that makes sense, I will definitely say that because it treats it more seriously than the popular cartoon. turtles. Yeah, by a lot. But it's not. The we're poking fun at Frank Miller's daredevil of the original
0: turtles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they do small things like, okay, so you can't tell in the original comics, but originally all the turtles all wore red. red. But when they made the cartoons, they changed it because one, it was easier for toy lines. And two, it just made it easier to separate them to the point that I can't unsee it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Donnie wears purple. Red is Raph's color. Not the others. But they found a way to combine the two in this. And it's, it was one of the first things I read that was like, oh, fuck, this is really clever. Where in the first volume, all of them are wearing red. And the reason is because... Uh, and the reason is Raph is missing and they're all wearing Raph's color to honor their brother. hmm Now... There's a couple things that actually makes that make no sense, but it's like touching enough that I don't give a fuck. So, in this one, among other wild things, there turns out that they're the reincarnations. I was about to say
1: we were talking like the shit got wild before. This gets a little bit wild, and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet.
0: But which is fun. One thing they do well is that the turtles don't know how they feel about it either, which I think, which I think makes me more okay with it. (laughs) But they decided to explain a few aspects of the turtles, because there's a few, like, basic rules of the turtles. One, they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. They kind of more and more are ignoring the teenager part, but fair enough. This one decided to explain why they were ninjas, as opposed to just Master Splinter learned from his master, Owner. owner but then he still somehow ended up in the testing lab with the turtles and like splinter story never made a lick of sense. And why is Raph leaving the team at the drop of a hat? Mm-hmm. It's a rule of the Ninja turtle movies. Oh yeah. Raph, Raph just quits. like,
1: no, nah, fuck you guys. I'm, I'm heading off. I'm doing my shit. This explains why also.
0: Why is Raph so close with Casey Jones? Oh, I loved him and Casey in this. They do a really good job of explaining all of it. And it doesn't always make sense. Turns out that Splinter and the turtles are somehow reincarnations of one of the early founders of the Foot Clan and his children who are killed by a previous incarnation of Shredder. Mm-hmm. And Splinter remembers it. And like Leo has some dreams about it. And everyone else is like, you're telling us what now? <laughs> what? But uh, the reason Raph is separate from them is that Raph got separated from them while they were growing and mutating. It does lead to the question, how do they know red is Raph's color? I guess they remember it from reincarnation, but like Raph is a loner because he grew up alone for the first few years of his stuff. Mm Mm-hmm year year. Okay. 15 or they, they specifically say 15 months at one point. Um, And he's so close with Casey because Casey finds him and he becomes the first friend Raph ever had. Mm -hmm. I love Casey in this. Yeah. Yeah, this is my favorite Casey. Sorry, Elias (laughs) Kataeus. I did not like (laughs) you as Casey. I'm not sorry. Oh, I I think he's fine as Casey. He's still my second Casey. But I liked him better than the fucking, what is it, Kano from uh, Mm. uh, uh, the second movie? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that character's Kino. name. Keno. Keno. I was close. Oh, Casey Jones has always been one of my favorites. Casey Jones fucking dope. He is pretty great. Okay, so here's a question because we're going you know bringing in what's the version of April that works best for you? Uh reporter April or scientist April? Um I still like a, a reporter April more. See, I think I'm scientist April. But I didn't watch that cartoon as much growing up. So like I knew she was our reporter from, you know, the toys. Maybe but. I'd like scientist April more if she was actually a scientist. She's not even like scientist April. She's an intern. Mm hmm. She does a little more sciencey stuff as this series goes on, but it is. She's still. Yeah. Like I'm learning to be a scientist April. And I don't know. And like, I have nothing a- against that. And like
1: learning how to be a scientist, like you have to do that. But it's just not as interesting
0: to me. I like the idea that she gave the turtles their names. Yeah, that's fun. In this one, that she's heavily involved in it. I, yeah, I like how
1: much more involved they've made her. And, like, how everything ties together a little bit. hmm Or at least a little bit better than, well, now we have to explain this because we need to put out a new toy.
0: <laughs> yeah, time to do this. We In this first one, we meet the the three major villain factions. Not all of them get much, but we get, uh, was it General Krang? Mm-hmm. We get Baxter Stockman, who everyone kind of forgets about, but he created the Mousers. He's actually like a huge part of Turtles lore. He helped create the Turtles. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we get Shredder and the Foot Clan. Fitting with classic Turtle stuff, they don't rest on their laurels, though, and they start to introduce new characters as well. Because Old Hob, who is introduced here, is a completely unique character to this comic, I believe. I think so too. I was like, am I supposed to know
1: this guy? And then I remembered I had just beat that game and they go through like every fucking enemy. And I'm like, well, he never showed up in that. So,
0: oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Old Hob is in this one. He is a, he was literally an alley cat who, when the turtles escaped, the reason Raphael got separated because he was an alley cat that was like, hey, food. And so he bit Raphael and like tried to, but he got the fucking mutagen in his mouth. That was all maybe, like,
1: I knew that Raph grows up, but that was almost the most distressing part of that comic form. You know, I'm like, no, not the that. baby
0: turtles, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> not the baby turtles. First they're getting abducted by ninjas, and now now the cat's getting them.
0: Oh, God. And then, what's her name? Um, we meet Alopex mm-hmm. in this one, who will become a much more significant character going forward. I mean, so is Hob, but he is already a significant character in this storyline.
1: Not that Alapex is actually similar to this character, but there's a part of me that feels like Alapex is in there because they're not using Usagi Ujimbo.
0: I can see it. Well, because she's, Alapex is a, a, a fox woman, you know, transformed from a fox in the same way that the others were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the hand, or the foot, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to get this out
1: real quick. Wait, I had to explain this to some people the other day, and they were like, wait, what? It's my Oof. favorite.
0: All of the ways that the, dare, er, that the Ninja Turtles are a ripoff of Daredevil. They were uh, powered by the mutagen. It has been implied several times that it is the same chemical that gave Daredevil his, his radar sense. Right, his non-sight. Yeah. Uh, his non-sight sight. Daredevil's master is Stick. Their master is Splinter. Daredevil's biggest enemy is the ninja clan known as the Hand. His, their biggest enemy is the ninja clan known as the Foot. Also, I like the Foot better than I like the Hand. I do, too. I do, too. The Hand get really boring. Not only that, I like the uh, the purple ninja suits better. Right? Oh, man. So, uh, uh, I designed Bellegarth. Uh, units or like teams in my brain just mm, does mm-hmm. this programmed into my brain now how it works. I thought the the most amazing fucking unit to make would be the fucking foot clan. Yes, and do it the same way because all of our weapons are color coded. Mm. Spears are green, reds are like big two handed shield breaking weapons. Okay. Uh, archery is yellow, etc cetera, et cetera. And you, you can only do yellow in certain ways on your clothing because yellow is also the color of our uh, our referees. Oh, okay. But do the Foot Clan. Get them like a helmet with that. Do a basic like slightly changed Foot Clan modification and then have them, any spearman you have, wears the green but the Foot Clan. Well, because the, the games always do that. Yes, that's what I was thinking of while we were playing Shredder's Revenge. And the guys with the fucking spears were in green and I was like, this is kismet. <laughs> <laughs> this fate has spoken to me I can't quit the unit I'm in because I've got a whole bunch of like deep fucking ties to it but maybe if I can get someone to do it and I'll just invest too much time and money into making a bunch of foot clan members would you do that the kind of buggy can you do the buggy eyes um I have ideas on how to do it but it's got kind of more effort than it's worth oh, okay Cause I would help you come up with ideas to do the buggy eyes. <laughs> uh, it, there's a kind of motorcycle goggle. It's just kind of a pain in the ass to do, and I haven't practiced putting lenses into the masks as much. Okay, I know how to do it. I just need to practice it more. Cause I, I there's that, that, part, that's part of what makes it for It me. really is. Every version has it too. Yeah, they're not always purple. They're not always bright yellow, but they always have the buggy eyes.
1: God, it's a good. uh, I love the foot design. So much better than the hand.
0: I had. Oh, Oh, and
1: Splinter's so much better than Stick. Sorry. Yeah, Stick Stick.
0: sucks. I mean, actually, I really enjoyed Stick, especially in the live action TV show. That actor was disturbingly pitch perfect. So
1: good. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He also just destroys in the season of Castle Rock that came
0: out the next year, but... I hope you're pleasant in real life because you play a bastard. Scott Glenn? I have no idea. So, for the game, I don't... I mean, all cards on the table, I did not get very far. I got into the second world and lost horribly three times in a row. I don't really do punch-em-ups very much. Scott Glenn. Um, Oh, see...
1: So I, this, like I said, um, the the 1989 cab was, a lot of people talking about this game bring up Turtles in Time, which was the sequel.
0: Yeah, and that one was on the, that was on
1: the NES, right? So the first one, they also ported to the NES. Oh, okay. It came as, it was ported to the NES as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 colon the arcade game because there was already a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which is infamous for its damn level. I did own that game. Fuck that game. It's so hard. Ah. Poorly designed hard?
0: Just early NES hard. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I played a little bit of Turtles in Time. I don't know where, but I know I've played it. And I played a little bit
1: of it because I think I had at least one friend that had it. I've played like an hour of it. But that cab, like I said. like you beat it. Beat it. Uh, so this was my shit. Like I was like, I recognize exactly how this is playing out. It's... You remember when we got the Diablo 2 remaster? Yes, it's one of the main games I've played in the last year. And it's kind of just like, it plays the way you remember Diablo playing. Mm -hmm. That's kind of this. Like, the older one wasn't as smooth as this. There wasn't uh, distinct animations between each of the turtles and stuff. But this plays the way I remember that.
0: This takes all of the punch-em-ups, but they can make it much easier now, just because video games have advanced so much. I think that was
1: my biggest gripe with it, was uh, the level design was way too simple for me. Like, it was no problem to get all of the collectibles on every single stage. Um, I probably beat the game in two and a half hours. How many different worlds are there? 15, I think. Like, you were almost at the end. Oh, shit. Okay. When you went through that portal portal, into the Ultron world. There's not much left after that. Oh,
0: fuck. Oh, I got way farther than I thought I did. You got, like, two-thirds of the way through the game. I thought I was, like, a third of the way. No, no, you got, like, two-thirds of the way through the game. All right, I feel a little better about how much I got wrecked. I just don't have the uh, the rockmen that, like, charge at you. I don't have the timing right to jump. Uh, they fucked me up a little bit, but what I was just... Like, it was
1: fun, and it hit me way in the nostalgia feels, and I was really happy that I got through it and beat it and unlocked Casey Jones so that I could fuck I was
0: wondering where
1: Casey Jones was in that. So that I could fuck around with him a little bit. And then as I was playing it, I just realized that as as much quality of life improvements as they've given me, it still plays too much like an old cab, and I had no interest in like doing most of the challenges, especially how many of the challenges were like do a level without getting harmed. I I'm I sure I could do that for a couple of those levels. Harmed. I don't f- feel the want in this game to prove myself in that way.
0: I tried to to get at least one or two of the challenges on every level I did. I never tried to do all three. I think I did on a couple of the early levels, but who was your character? Did you have a preferred? Um, I was originally, since I didn't know how long
1: the game was going to be, I thought it was going to be longer than the 15 or 16, whatever mm-hmm. levels it is. I don't even know if you thought the last level is basically just a, a boss fight. I don't know if you can count that as a real level or not. Either way. I thought it was going to be about twice as long as it ended up being. Even though I I went back and looked it up, I think it's
0: actually, like, twice as long as the old cab was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but when we have Elden Ring now, like, this game feels tiny. So I was going
1: to, I was planning on leveling up more than one character. So, like, I got, I was getting the bonus collectibles that gave you bonus XP, And I didn't want to put any of that XP to waste. So I got Splinter up to, like, level 9. Then I started in on Mikey because I was getting close to being able to turn in, uh, like, the secret journals and the VHS tapes. And I didn't want those XP points to go to waste. So I think I got Mikey up to, like, level 7 before I went back and finished off Splinter. And then I beat the game. And I kind of wanted to just get... I didn't actually want to play Mikey. I just kind of wanted to get him out of the way with his short range so that I didn't have to fuck around with any short range characters
0: anymore. I was actually having a lot of luck with Mikey. Just yeah, I think I, had some,
1: I think I had some of my best runs with Mikey. Um, like, I think I for sure got my
0: longest hit combo with him. He he. I mean, he moves so fast; it's hard not to. Uh, I I enjoyed Donnie, but I wasn't great with him. Although I was doing better in later levels when I used him, just because of that range. Mm. April is a surprisingly capable character in that game. I think I used Raph like once, and was like, no.
1: And that was the thing. Like I, once I beat it, I did replay a couple levels with Casey Jones just to fuck around with casey jones Mm -hmm. does he use the bat or the hockey stick depends on what move you're doing oh okay he is a little bit more powerful than the other characters the rest of them have six total stat points he has seven ah but it wasn't enough at that point i was like there's not big enough differences in the way that they level up for me to want to see what all the characters maxed out do and at a certain point, I'm like, okay, this is cool, but I don't... Like I said, the the type of challenge it was, I didn't feel the need to prove myself against. And I, I wish they did the arcade mode differently. I don't know what you would do differently, because I do kind of want to see the endings. I don't want to play through the entire game with three lives.
0: Yeah, that's... No. <laughs> yeah, I
1: could. I don't... I I think I only died like four total times through the entire thing, so it would only take being a little bit more careful to actually get through it, but I don't wanna it it doesn't seem like enough of a payoff just to see an ending to play that game old school
0: arcade style. How much did you pay for that game?
1: Oh, it was on Game Pass. I didn't pay oh, a okay. fucking pay.
0: Okay. I was gonna say I, I was looking at the price, I because I think they're selling it for like thirty or forty bucks, and I don't think it's worth that. I do think it's if,
1: uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I'd pay like fifteen for it. I don't 15 know if to I'd 20? pay twenty-five. Like, I don't know if I'd pay over twenty.
0: I think I would pay twenty though, without too much. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird thing because I don't want to because you know the people, uh, people who worked, worked on, that, hard definitely on it definitely deserve yeah. money. But there, we we have kind of come to expect a certain level of content for the
1: the uh, amount of full money you are paying. Yeah. Yes. That being said, like it's fucking. It's wonderful.
0: Oh, it's a lot of fun. In I mean, so
1: many ways. The original voice
0: actors come back from the cartoon. I don't play punch ups and I've played it. I'm going to play it again tonight, probably. So obviously it does things right. I don't remember if we talked, because we talked about Turtles a bit last week, which is what inspired us to do th- this week. Who's your turtle? Is it your ref? I'm a Donatello guy. Okay. But in reality, I'm more,
1: like, the reason I went through with Splinter is because I'm more Splinter than any of the Turtles. <laughs> like, that's who I'm on board with is Splinter. Splinter and Casey Jones are my two favorites, and then if I have to choose a turtle, I'm going Donnie.
0: I was always Raph as a kid. He was my favorite. And then as an adult, I'm like, Raph, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Uh, I like Leo a lot more than I did as a kid, and I like Mikey a lot more than I did as a kid. Because when I was like a kid, I was like, Mikey's the kiddie one. I'm like, no, Mikey's the one that realizes how cool his life is, and I appreciate that. Even though I agree with you, I
1: think I weirdly like Raph m- more now as a grown-up because it just when I was a kid, it fucking annoyed me when he would break up the four turtles because it's like, <laughs> there's, there's four of you guys quit being such a little dick and like leaving. What and now I at least this? now I at least like, oh no, I get it, like, you're a dick, but also just like fuck people sometimes. I get it, Raph. <laughs> I
0: do. I do. And I agree with you on that but I just also, Raph buddy. Oh, I, th- I like Casey way more than I did mm. as a kid. There's something about using sports equipment that I think is really interesting. And I love the fucking hockey mask. One of the first leather projects I ever made was a Casey Jones hockey mask. It was okay. And his hockey mask always has looked so fucking dope. That said, don't care for the American flag hockey mask he wears sometimes in the original series. Mm-hmm. It's basically his hockey mask, but has the like stars and stripes. And right. like, this is weird. I don't, I don't know why this one is happening. Um, I will say to go
1: along with this, I did rewatch the first turtle movie turtles movie twice. See, I watched, I uh, mostly had it on in the background while I was reading
0: the comic, mm-hmm. but I thought about watching it, but I watched uh, TMNT, the 2007 animated mm. turtles film. I know that I've seen that at least once, but I don't remember much about it. You know what? It's complete garbage nonsense, but it is pretty well done in several ways. Like it, it got pretty bad reviews. And when I first watched it, you know, 2007, I'm fucking 19. And I'm like, I don't get why people don't like this. And now watching it, I'm like, Oh yeah, this movie is nonsense. The plot doesn't make sense even for a fucking turtles movie. But The cast is really good, actually. Uh, All of the Four Turtles are, like, they're the kind of voice actor that I can't remember their names. Okay. But you look through the shit that they've done, and you're like, oh, fuck, you've done everything. Um, I think it's Leonardo, who's the guy that is played, uh, who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi in Clone Wars. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's that kind of level of... But uh, uh, Chris Evans plays Casey Jones... Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. It always takes me a moment to remember her name. Plays April O'Neil. Fucking Mako plays Master Splinter. Patrick Stewart plays. Oh,
1: shit. So that was the one that Kevin Smith does voice. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick
0: Stewart plays the bad guy. And I was like, he's kind of cool. in watching it now. I'm like, man, your oh, yeah. plot makes no so, sense. So, yeah, James
1: Arnold Taylor is Leo. And, yeah, that well, that was um, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. I, fuck, I love this. He's his, really good at it. You've seen I Know That Voice, right? Have we talked about this? I've seen some okay. of it. I love the bit where he's talking about him coming up with his Obi-Wan voice because he pulls off, like, pitch-perfect Ewan, pitch-perfect Alec Guinness, and then combines them just real-time right in front of you. God, that's scary. That's, ooh.
0: <laughs> oh, God, voice actors are so cool.
1: And then Nolan North is Raph. Like, fucking Nathan Drake. <laughs> what? Mikey Kelly is Michelangelo. Um,
0: Mikey Kelly. He's one of those that he doesn't have uh, any... I don't think he has any of those like, oh my God, it's him. But oh, yeah, like a bunch of shit that I've never seen. For the most part, it looks but, like. <laughs> I mean, if you look at his Wikipedia, it's just like... Thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. He's he's had a pretty busy career.
1: Uh, Okay, okay,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys I've heard, but. Mm
1: -hmm. And then Mitchell Whitfield is Donatello. Oh shit, he was. He's done like some film, film. He was in My Cousin Vinny and shit. Okay, (laughs) and like Sergeant Bilko and oh shit, that's fun. Oh, and he's Norbert. He was Norbert in Angry Beavers. (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay yeah here's one of the like minion like I don't think the character even gets a name he's just like a robber who appears twice is one of those voice actors that was in like every 90s cartoon Mm. Mm, this is like your voice just makes me happy I will say if you watch this I mean one as I said the the plot is nonsense on every level it is very much a two thousand seven uh, CGI animation. Most of it's good, but some of it, you're like, "Wow, that's uh, that texture ain't right." I might have to fucking watch. This, I highly bro. Re- it's on HBO Max. It's only like an hour and a half long. Like I said, I know I've seen it before. Like, and I'm reading this cast, and I'm like, I just want to hear all of them do these voices. Yeah, no, they're all great. And I remember Peter Laird talking about that he desperately wanted to do a live. He described it as a mix of live action and animation. And really he meant live action and just CGI the turtles. Like right. what they would do mm-hmm. later on, but he really wanted Chris Evans and Sarah Michelle Geller to come back in the same roles. Hmm. I actually think Chris Evans would have been a pretty good case. Yeah. Jones still. I like that. I can see it. They're a head. little old now, but that's fair. This movie I can still came see out it. 15 years ago. Stephen Anvil was not a bad choice for Casey Jones. Mm-mm. I haven't seen those movies. I've only seen little bits of them, but. No, he was a good choice. Wasn't it Megan Fox's? Yes. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not. I am not a Megan Fox hater. There were people that desperately hated her for being hot, I guess. And I never understood why, because I'm like, oh, she's not a great actress, but. She ain't bad. She's not bad, and she is gorgeous. She does a so, great job in Jennifer's body. Oh, I did hear that was very good. Mm-hmm. So, like, more power to her, and she spoke truth to power against powerful white men in the industry. Good for you. Uh, but, you know, so I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about her as April, but also, I don't have any problem with it. No. She probably had more to do than she did in that first fucking Transformers movie. Almost undoubtedly. <laughs> That entire reason she was in that movie was so she could look really hot when she opened up the uh, cab of Bumblebee. It was a success It on that. worked. Especially because I was like 19 years old. Because I think that was the same year this came out. That was during my go to the movies phase. Mm. What else do we have to
1: say about that? We kind of covered a little bit of both of the things that we...
0: It, yeah, and it's kind of hard to, as I realized we were just going to do kind of a, a general Turtles it's sometimes hard when we're like, we're going to talk about Nightwing this episode, or we're going to talk about the Ninja Turtles, because there's just, there's, there's so many much. ways
1: you could go. Oh, uh, I'm intentionally holding back on some things, just because, we like. We do future
0: episodes. Well, or,
1: I know that Stephen already wants to come on and talk about uh, TMNT2 Secret of the Ooze, so.
0: <laughs> it is my favorite. I'm going to insist that it is the best of the live-action Turtles movies. I
1: have, I have such love for that movie, um, I definitely love it more than the first. The first one might have been one of my favorite fir- first favorite movies. It was supplanted by the second one.
0: Yeah, Toka and Razor are awesome. We'll get to it that time. Oh, I don't remember because I kept reading as I got through this because I'm getting back into the Turtle series anyways. Do we meet Bebop and Rocksteady in this series?
1: Yes. But before they get but transformed. But before. Okay. And it took me a second to realize it.
0: And then I was like, oh, wait. It's fucking Bebop and... I don't... I." I have such deep love for... I mean, I love Token and Razor because they're from Secrets of the Ooze. But I adore Bebop and Rocksteady for reasons that I do not fully understand. I was really
1: hoping that by the the end of, of this particular um, collection, we were going to see Baxter Stockman flyed out.
0: But... I don't know when or if he gets flied out. Because he lasts quite a while before he mm. turns into a little fly guy. Bebop and Rocksteady get their own miniseries. Oh, that's dope. That's, it's like Bebop and Rocksteady destroy everything or something. I want to say they get their hands on the time crystal. Oh. And it goes really badly. Do we get any wingnut? Which one is wingnut? The bat. I believe so. I don't remember if it's a bat or a bird, but one of Shredder's minions okay. flies. We They just introduced Venus de Milo in this. Oh, shit. No way. Fucking Really? And kind of a kind of a transgender like mm. storytelling thing uh, it is it, it's not it's not she's not right. a trans character but I could see some allegory in it mm. also the current writer is uh, uh, Sophie Campbell who I first started following when they were the illustrator for glory back in like 2007 uh, under their dead name so I'm not gonna but Great artist and now a pretty good writer, but who is trans. So I'm wondering, it is a character that was originally a frog that was reworked thanks to various shenanigans and is now Venus de Milo, the next turtle. Also, she's now the sixth turtle because they brought in another female turtle, oh. a, a Foot Clan member named Jenica, okay. who was transformed into a turtle thanks to blood transfusion. Mm who I think was an original character that Sophie Campbell had an idea for. I'm not 100% certain on that before they were finally allowed to bring in Venus de Milo. Because Venus de Milo is the female turtle from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation, which was the terrible live-action TV series they did. And I want to say it's Peter Laird, but one of the creators, could be Eastman, fucking hated her. Mm. she was utterly banned from being used so i mean literally from when she disappeared in the early 90s i mean next mutation is old enough that it crossed over with the fucking power rangers right it was a uh, 97 to 98 <laughs> they were not right yeah. they were not allowed to touch venus de milo again i want to say she had a bow but i'm not sure this series though. This series is going to fucking Ninja Turtles. I highly recommend it. if you can read the TMNT series, get, get take your shot. Uh Shredder gets killed and there's a mini series called Shredder in Hell. Fucking Splinter takes over the Foot Clan at one point and ends up kind of at odds with the turtles. Okay. Like it becomes determined that he can't lead both the Foot Clan and the turtles. So the turtles go off on their own. Uh, old Hob forms Mutant Town, which is just a town of various mutants. He forms the Mutanimals at one point, which was like a spinoff of them and brings in some classic. Oh, Anything and everything is free fucking rain. The Technodrome is a major story thing Good. that goes on. The Technodrome's awesome. And I had a friend that had the Technodrome My buddy toy. had the Technodrome. Um, so fucking jealous. Ultroms, do not care about. The Technodrome, all here for. One of the all-time great super villain layers.
1: Yes. Out, absolutely. Technodrome is way up there.
0: Plus, it's called the fucking Technodrome. Like what else do we need? Man, has
1: anybody done anything interesting with the Battletoads lately lately? That's all that's got this got me thinking. I keep of. thinking
0: that we need the Battletoads again.
1: That's all this has me thinking of. God, like they had such success with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, somebody somebody can kick some new life in the Battletoads. If toads. we're going to
0: talk about fucking hard video games, the fucking Battletoads. <laughs> Battletoads, and I think Street Sharks needs another run, and I will say this till my dying day, the Biker Mice from Mars. Oh, yo, Biker Mice from fucking Mars. so cool.
1: I man. never... Yo,
0: I I liked that shit. I didn't get into it as much as some of the other things. I had the but. VHS episode, or the VHS that had the first three episodes. Oh, sweet! So I watched those. I think I destroyed the VHS. Like I think I wore out the fucking tape. Fuck it, let's call it here. Let's. Yeah. uh I mean, we're going to talk about Turtles again in the future at some point. Again, it is one of the biggest franchises in history. Also, I should say when I listed the five most successful comic books in history, that's the American comic book scene. Oh, yeah. when you put in Japan, one piece is disturbingly popular. Not because it's, it's like Star Wars big in Japan. Right.
1: It and is, then if you include some of those European comics too are just.
0: Yes. Like, but my area of knowledge is American comic books. Mm-hmm. So that's if we're going to talk American comic books, it's probably four or five in the world's most successful comic book products. Uh, recommendations. I can go first, because you clearly did not think that through based off the look that one of us always has. I'm actually going to stick with the theme. There are... Because IDW is super willing to do crossovers, they've done three Batman-Ninja Turtles crossovers. Two of them kick all kinds of ass. The third one's still fun, but it's a mess. Okay, It's kind of supposed to be the two worlds got merged together. So, like... Batman was raised by Splinter and all of the turtles take the properties of different Robins. Okay. So like Leo is Nightwing. Raph is Jason Todd, et cetera, et cetera. It's good. It's fun. It's just a mess. And also the Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers comic book crossover is significantly better than it has any right to be like everything in the fucking boom. Power Rangers comics. We might do a run of those because not him. a bad
1: idea. Some of those are,
0: Oh, I, I'm mad about how much I love power Rangers. Is it, now. Is it Kyle Higgins do a lot of shit on? Yeah. There. Kyle Higgins launched it. Uh, uh Ryan parrot, Matt groom, like all of them. Some big name. Dan Mora is like one of the next big things in comics. And he start. I don't think it was his start, but he got recognized doing the art for, uh, Ninja turtles.
1: Uh, back when um, Fat Man Beyond Um, was fucking
0: Power Rangers Rangers. back
1: when uh, Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond podcast was Fat Man on Batman Kyle Higgins was one of my favorite interviews he does a really good interview with Kev
0: I've been a fan of Kyle Higgins for a while ever since I read some of his uh, Nightwing stuff with Scott Snyder Mm. it wasn't Nightwing it was Dick Grayson as Batman but I picked it up based off the power of that and the first time I read it I was like nope this is bad and then I reread it and went Oh, no, this kicks all kinds of ass. This is really good. Um, but, yeah, uh, Batman TMNT, especially TMNT 2, where Bane takes over the Foot Clan. Okay. And among other things, fucking takes over the Empire State Building and puts a Bane mask on it to show that he has seized control of New York. That's amazing. It's so good. And all of the Foot Ninja have the Bane, like, painted on, like, the white part of Bane's mask painted on their Foot, mm. Foot Clan masks.
1: Okay. That's wild. Oh, shit. It's it, goofy. It's everything you want it to be. Bringing up Kyle Higgins, I'm pretty sure it was the Kyle Higgins interview that turned me on to this. I think you might have recommended it before at one point, but I can't remember. I think we may have just brought it up at some point, too. My recommendation is going to be Gotham Central.
0: <sighs> Gotham Central by Ed Brubaker, and I can't think of the Greg artist. Rucca. Oh, you're right. Greg Rocca, not Burbanker. But I can't think oh, of... Oh, no, one. no. it's They oh, it's both Oh, both wrote, of them. Yeah,
1: with pencils no by... No wonder it was
0: so goddamn good.
1: Yeah. Uh, Michael Lark.
0: It's the two best crime writers in comic books of the last
1: fucking 30 years. But it's a police procedural comic book set in Gotham.
0: So good.
1: It's like, what... Not that we need to be putting cops in too sympathetic of a light, but it's like, if you're a cop working in Gotham, what the fuck do you have to deal with?
0: Yeah. In the first storyline, they have to deal with Mr. Freeze. What do you do with Mr. Freeze when Batman's not there? Yeah. And I'll say in fairness, I mean, it's copaganda like any Mm -hmm. kind of cop show. So is Brooklyn nine, nine and I'll fucking fight for Brooklyn nine, nine, but it, it doesn't shy from the fact that Gotham PD is still corrupt as hell. N- right, even with Gordon doing everything he fucking can, even with uh, oh god, I can't think of the captain that he brings over from Metropolis to help out. Um,
1: oh, I don't remember either. Fine. She's great.
0: Yeah. Also, er, not early, but like early twenty first century queer representation in the comics. The main character Montoya is a lesbian, mm-hmm. which is it. It doesn't seem like anything now, but like that was. That was big in 2003.
1: Uh, but yeah, those comics just blew me away. Uh, probably one of my favorite Joker moments that he's not even, he's not even on panel, but when they find God, what was it? Didn't he have, I've like, never
0: finished the series. I should say I've read the first like two or three volumes. So, so I don't, there's this, and it was years ago.
1: There's this bit. I think he has like remote control. I want to say it was like sniper nest set up. Something sounds like, like that. The
0: Joker. Fuck that guy.
1: Um, And when they, you know, they rush up into the room and find the room that I was in and stuff, there's like a computer sitting there and it just has this uh, this message left to him from from the Joker. And it's like this. Oh, God, I can't even remember how it goes. It's this weird rambling paragraph where he's like, ha ha, you caught me and da 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 da. And little birdies go tweet, tweet, tweet and this and this and that and da, da 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 da. And this is all brought to you by the fucking Joker for Gotham mayor or something like campaign and.
0: We saw that in Harley Quinn.
1: Yeah. Um, God, I used to, I actually used to have it slightly memorized, and it's just been way too long since I've read that fucking nah, comic. But uh
0: Yeah, I, if you like, especially if you liked the modern The Batman, you will like Gotham Central. Keep in mind it's 20 years old, so some parts of it do feel 20 years old, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Early 2000s comics actually was a pretty high point comics for a minute there.
1: You already gave away what we're doing
0: next time. We're going to Lower Decks Season 2 because... Season three's out soon. Soon. End of August. Something like that. Late August. So just in time. Uh, but that's next time. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Dismissed.
1: Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe, however, you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us, however, you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it as the whole world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments. Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Ear Verm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, It might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.